Have you ever had trouble explaining something? Maybe you thought you explained it, and the exact opposite was heard. Don't text. <laughs> That's simple. I, if you have children, so sometimes I feel like I am speaking in English to them, and they are hearing in Japanese. Or maybe you remember things differently. We, uh, Jude and I flew to my dad's retirement party. And um, we were there for three days in Calgary last weekend. And we spent some time with grandpa and grandma. And Jude discovered that they have seen no Star Wars movies. And so decided that um, it was time for them to watch Star Wars movies. And my, my favorite line from any Star Wars movie is the, the most iconic one. Um, but ex the problem was that it wasn't there. I remembered it wrong. And so did the rest of society. Luke, I am your father. It's not real. But we all remember it that way, but that is not the line. Darth Vader never says, hey, Doug. Darth Vader never says, Luke, I am your father. It doesn't happen. He says, no, I am your father. What about in the Bible? Do we, do we have things in the Bible that we kind of remember being there that maybe they're not there? Let's try some examples. Some of these are going to hurt. I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry. Okay. The Garden of Eden. Let's go all the way to Genesis, back to the beginning. There's no apple. There is no apple. It is fruit. There's no apple. The saying from Scripture, this too shall pass. Mike Ditka, while praying for the Chicago Bears, quoted Scripture and said, this too shall pass. Not in the Bible. Well done, Mike Ditka. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's John Wesley, not Jesus. This is where they're going to start to hurt a little bit. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Okay, now it's on you if you're not. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Not in the Bible. Um, that is a mashup of Gandhi and uh, St. Augustine. In the Jesus being born story, the nativity, how many kings were there? The wise men, the kings, the fancy folk. How many were there? Take some guesses. Nobody knows, but there were three gifts. That one annoyed me. Uh, this one really annoyed me and took much texting and study a few years ago when I found this one. Is the Antichrist a spirit or a person in the Bible? Nope. Keep reading. Read it in context in Second John. It's not, it's in a plural tense. It's a spirit. That one annoyed me. 
But then I had to check it out. It was true. God helps those who help themselves. It's good. Um, so that would also be a mashup of Benjamin Franklin and the Quran. God helps those who help themselves. It's a good one, though. I use that. I mean, why wouldn't you? But have you ever tried to speak about your faith only to realize later how wrong you were on something? Something that probably actually mattered. I, I hope I'm not the only one in this category who has misspoken for God. In Christianity, you are usually better off focusing on the basics. Can you put up that targety thing? We're going to go back to this. I've taught from this a few times, and we're going to teach from it again today. So much of what we... Should I use a handheld mic? Would that be better? So, so much of what we, um, we consider important in our, our Christianity comes from, it's all good. I'm not stressed about it. It comes from uh, perspectives and opinions of people. From the, the center of our understanding of Christianity, from the, the stuff that's really important, the, the dogma, the more blurry Christianity gets. It's the indispensable truths. It's the creeds. It's the stuff we have stood on for 2,000 years. It's the stuff that does not shift. This is Christ crucified. This is Christ born of a virgin. This is Christ coming again. It is, it is the stuff, the, the essence, the, the beauty of who our God is, what he stands for, and who his son was. You move out from, from the middle, from the dogma to the, the theology realm. This is the, the denominational lines that have been drawn. The, people have very strong stands in here. If you think about it in books, consider the middle to be creeds, consider the theology to be commentaries, and then the worst one that we're so guilty of in the opinion realm, just consider that to be good books that you like, and I like. Unfortunately, it's the opinion part, the stuff that doesn't really matter, that's the stuff that splits churches. That's the stuff that starts Facebook fights. That's the stuff that people think is dogma, but really isn't. Being inside of Christian unity does not mean conformity. It does mean celebrating the middle and keeping that story straight. The middle is key because Jesus is the middle. He will always be the middle. He will always be what our, our faith is built on. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our God. Jesus is why we are here today. Amen? Now, in this story in Scripture, by the time we get to Jesus and the accusations about him, it says that there are multiple variations of the story. I'm really not going to let this go to waste. It's very good. 
So my, okay, rabbit trail, then we'll get back to this. So at my dad's retirement party, his church roasted him a little bit, and I learned that he rabbit trails more than I do. It's genetics. So anyway, Nespresso. So my family has this, this thing that I've discovered. They don't know that I've discovered this, and Amberly has left here and gone downstairs now. Um, they don't know that I've really discovered this, but what they do is they buy me gifts at Christmas time that will help someone else out. Last year, I got a um, soda stream. They're like, oh, you really wanted a soda stream? I'm like, did I? I guess. Like, and then it's like Amberly is like every day is like filling a soda stream bottle and putting carbonation. I'm like, you guys. And like the kids have all their own flavors and are always making pop. And I'm like, I don't, like, all right. And then this Christmas comes around and I get an espresso machine. Who do you think uses it the most in our house? Well, it's not me. Merry Christmas. Rabbit trail. Sorry about that. The Lord helps those who help themselves. Might not be in the Bible, but it is true. So these different variations of the story start popping out, and they they didn't agree on what each other was saying. It's kind of human nature, though, that we fill in the blanks without realizing it, trying to prove a point. The danger is when we speak on behalf of God, and we try to prove a point for God. God does not need our help. He never has. I, I have heard my entire ministry career that Christianity is one generation away from being wiped out. That is absolutely ridiculous. It, it, we've been here for 2,000 years, and we're growing stronger by the year. We're, we're good. Jesus knows what he's doing. God's in control. The problem is, is when we, we think we know what God thinks, and we like to interject that into society. Well, Jesus wouldn't have done that. How do you know? God would be angry about this. Would he? It's dangerous to say that we know what God's stance is when it's not clear somewhere. It's a dangerous place to land. And in this scripture... The first point I want to bring out is that Jesus lets people talk. He lets people have their say. He lets people have their opinions. The complaints start with, we heard him say that I will destroy this man-made temple. Did Jesus say that? Well, kind of. He, he kind of said that in a roundabout sort of way, is is Luke 18.33. Did I put these in here? Yeah, good. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. So he, he kind of alluded to that. The next one. So Luke 24, 7, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Okay, he's still, he's still in that, that ballpark. The next one, 
Matthew 27. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that the deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. And then the next one. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. So if you're not paying attention to what he's talking about, and John goes on to clarify that Jesus was talking about himself, you could read that one and be like, based on the fact that Jesus said it while standing in a temple, so standing in a temple, he said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. What? He's going to destroy this man-made temple and build another one? You can see how the, the misunderstanding may have taken place, but that's not what he was talking about. He was not bragging about his carpentry skills. But yet Jesus stayed silent. He let the people talk and finish whatever they had to say before he began. In the world of Christianity, if you've been in it for a little while, you will know that people like to argue. And I, I don't think it's worse inside Christianity than outside. I think it's a personality thing. People really love to prove their points. It's like, well, 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 well. Those are usually useless conversations. You're not going to win an argument with someone who's geared up on something. I, for one, am the worst person to debate with. Not because I'm going to come at you with, like, thousands of books on an issue. It's because I don't care. I don't like arguing, and I'm not going to do it. So if you want to come at me and have a, a really solid debate that you've been researching and you're ready to rip into me, I'm probably going to just say that's nice. Good for you. I'm glad you think that. I just don't enjoy arguing. Have you ever noticed that the, the online world is full of this? It's absolutely full of this. And I just can't be bothered. People who try to argue with me on Facebook or Instagram, they just get blocked. Because I just haven't got time. I have so many things I want to accomplish in my life that don't have anything to do with Facebook fighting. The second thing is that people are the worst. And this is what Jesus, not you guys though. The people in the story are the worst. You guys are great. Anytime you need to be right to the point of putting someone down, you stopped loving. And dare I say, you stopped being Christian. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. I've got a little bit of time, and I'm going to use it. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Whenever, whenever we come into a, one of those discussions or arguments or these things where we want to stand up for what we think is right. We're like, I'm just, I'm going to speak the truth because God wants me to get in there. 
Let's back up for a minute to um, 1 Corinthians and how to handle ourselves as Christians in a context of speaking publicly. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have... I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is gentle. We learn from Scripture that God is love. The very definition of love is God, and God is love. When we come at something as these men in the scripture do, as an angry mob trying to stand up for what we believe, we have not love. We have lost our ability to be Christian. We have lost our ability to be God's people. In this scripture, in order to push this thought through, they had to do it at night. This was not normal. This was not a normal thing. This was a power play. They needed the right people to show up at the right time to vote this through so that nobody else saw it happening. This was a glorified lynch mob. John 18.31 suggests that they didn't have the authority as religious leaders to kill Jesus. So they had to push this through their ranks as quickly as humanly possible to get it to the Romans who did have the authority. Later, nocturnal trials would be forbidden in rabbinical law. Religious people build cases against other people. They build opinions. They build walls. They build a life based on the opinion and sometimes theology, but never the dogma. This is an unhealthy Christianity. This is an unhealthy place for these men to be. If you ever want to know if you're there, ask yourself this question. Do people who are far from God want to ask you about God? Or do they want to steer away from those topics? That's a tough test. I fail that more often than not. But that's part of discipleship, is we become more like Jesus every day. We become more like what he has called us to be, how he has called us to act, how he has called us to love. Jesus and his disciples fought to make life easier for people. I want to be like that. Unfortunately, the, the opposite, that, that spirit is alive and well. 
to put up those boundaries, to put up those walls? How do we keep you on the outside? It's awful. If the church has ever pushed you and made you feel like you needed to sit on the outside, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that has happened to you. Because God is love, and God calls us all unto himself. Number three, and we'll, we'll land the plane on this one. We're going to talk about Jesus' mic drop moment in this. So the Pharisees are, are crying for, this is blasphemy. This is heresy. Jesus is completely off base. Well, let's back up for a second, because we didn't start there. We started with, um, we need to kill him um, because he's causing problems, to the high priest completely freaking out at the end of this piece of scripture. There's something in there that completely set him off and took him from zero to a thousand very, very quickly. Take a look in your Bibles and see if you can find it. Unfortunately, this, this type of behavior, as, as I was talking about like on social media, there's such a, a world right now where you can make a good living on social media by just being an angry Christian. You know it's true. You, you can rage against the church, rage against other pastors, and, and people will applaud you and forward your messages and share them, and it's amazing. Look, this guy's setting people straight. If I have not love, I have nothing. The high priest tore his robe. This is an ancient sign of distress. But it's also something else. It is a, a, a thing he was doing to put himself on the same level as Old Testament prophets doing a sign act. I'm the same as them. We, I am tearing my robe because this is going to stop. And, and all of you are watching and you're going to pay attention. The robe is torn. We have to do something now. It, it's kind of like this guy was trying to like pull a Hulk Hogan and like rip his shirt and like flex his muscles, but he probably looked more like Dwight Schrute. This was grandstanding. But what set him off? It wasn't the temple issue. Lindsay read some scriptures for us, and I'm going to back into the, the Daniel scripture and read a chunk of that one more time. And I'll show you what set him off. So Psalm 110, and then this is Daniel 7. I'm going to start in... Um, I'm going to start about 13. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds. Jesus just said that, but let's keep going. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The high priest, the men of the Sanhedrin, the the religious elite, they knew what Jesus was quoting. Jesus wasn't talking about a temple anymore. Jesus went ahead, put himself into context, and declared ownership of the heavenly realms. This was his blasphemy to them. And that last line of Daniel, I will never be destroyed. This is a powerful, powerful scripture because Jesus made it clear that he was the center of the wheel that we looked at. He made himself the center of dogma. Everything will flow out of him from this moment forward. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is our king. He rewrote the center of dogma that day and declared that he was and is the Christ, the Messiah and God among us. Today, we need to build our lives around that center. We need to build our lives around that foundation. That is where we are secure in our faith. That is where there is a purity that is unrivaled. In the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as I get ready to close with this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I invite you to close your eyes this morning. Lord God, I thank you that your word is alive and well. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus is our context. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus is our compass. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. So I pray this morning for all of us here today, no matter where we sit with you, Lord Jesus, I pray that today would be a moment in time, in the timeline of our life, where we put Jesus Christ as our cornerstone. I pray that today would be a day that we mark as an important important, important time where Jesus became real, where Jesus became more than than something we read about, where Jesus becomes more than an illusion. We put Jesus as the cornerstone of our lives. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are our king. And we're so glad to be here. In your name, amen. This morning, if you need prayer, 
Our prayer room is open. If you just go out these doors and turn to the right, there is an amazing team of people who want to pray with you, want to talk with you. But as we get ready to close, um, I'm also going to give you a couple of quick announcements. What time is it? I have three minutes. I'll invite you to sit down for the seven minutes I'm about to take in that three minutes. Four minutes off today. My goodness. We had, we had a chaotic day yesterday as we were trying to, um, trying to figure out how to deal with the fact that a whole bunch of our team is stranded in Winnipeg due to that storm. And so, um, well done, everyone. You did great. Bunch of pinch hitters. From greeting to worship leading to the guy doing the closing. We did great. Um, I, I find it interesting as we, as we talk about um, offering and giving and those types of things that it is really a piece of our worship. It is really a continuation of what was as we, we lean forward. A good definition of worship that we've been using is the, the retelling, reenacting, reflecting on the stories of God. And giving is a piece of that because we, we reenact those pieces inside of a spiritual community. So I want to encourage you um, in your giving. There's a station out there. I think they've already passed the plates. They're on it today. Um, so a couple of announcements for you. This coming Friday, we're going to exercise one of our core practices here at the church, and that is to have fun events for the sake of fun events. Amen? Amen. All right, so we got a trivia night coming up this Friday. Trivia nights are awesome. If you have not been to a trivia night, I encourage you to come to a trivia night and um, meet some new people and have a great time. So trivia night. Then Saturday, this is my favorite thing of the year. Are you ready? Guys, everybody say, I'm ready. ready. I believe some of you. Okay. Family fun day. You don't need a family. You just need to have fun. So what we're doing again this year is the fine people at Manhattan Beach Resort. Resort. Is it a resort? Sure. It's a camp. They are hosting us once again this year, and uh, I cannot wait. So we're going to be going out there between 1 and 6. We do have a um, bus shuttle, uh, sorry, van shuttle. You can call it a bus if you want, um, that will be going out, but you've got to sign up at the office if you need a ride. So between 1 and 6 out at Manhattan Beach, we are going to have a full day of fun and food and fellowship, and it's just going to be a great day to be together um, the forecast is looking favorable, and we're going to have a great time throwing ourselves down snow hills. Amen? Okay. I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> Secondly, um, if you are not in a small group, I encourage you to join a small group. I know we've got some great ones that have just begun. Um, the, the Book of Romans one is fantastic. Uh, that's on Tuesdays. And then there's one on Monday nights, and that is a mental health-themed uh, one. And then uh, if I have three spots as of right now left in my marriage course. So it is Marriage Alpha. 
And um, I encourage you, if you feel like you want to take a marriage course, um, talk to me as fast as humanly possible because I've only got three spots left. I'm only having eight couples in this because it's fairly intense. And if you guys start fighting, um, I'm not going to be able to handle you all. It starts tonight. Thank you, Tammy. At 7 o'clock. I will bring food this week. We'll discuss food for the future. 7 o'clock tonight right here in this room. Sound good? I'm going to pray for you one more time. And then um, can we put some music on in the background? I, f- I feel like I need something to... I don't know. Just, just to walk me out almost. Yeah, good enough. Thank you. So, Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we get to worship you, that we get to stand here and sing and absorb your word and fellowship, and we just thank you for these opportunities. This is amazing. And so I just pray blessing upon everyone who came out today. God, would you, uh, would you continue to light the way in our life, continue to be our king, and we promise to follow you better than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.